Principal Matters Podcast, episode 229. Hi friends, this is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about facing your giants with my special guest, Samantha Bartram. Samantha Bartram is the principal of Coastal Academy High School, a charter school serving students in grades 9 through 10, and her school is located in San Diego, California. And prior to becoming a principal, she served as an assistant principal, director of student leadership, writing specialist, and sixth grade teacher. She also has experience supporting military families through previous work for the Department of Defense. She's also a member of the Principal Matters Mastermind community, and recently we've begun a book discussion on Malcolm Gladwell's David and Goliath, Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants. Before I jump into the conversation with Samantha, I just want to set a little bit of context. First of all, you're going to hear an interview where I forgot to turn on my mic, so you're going to be hearing me through the Zoom mic, which isn't quite as high quality as normal, but you can hear some great feedback from Samantha Bartram. Second, I want to set some context for the discussion that we're going to be having in today's episode. Malcolm Gladwell's book covers two main ideas. First, he talks about how much of what we consider valuable in the world arises out of what he calls lopsided conflicts. And second, that we consistently get these conflicts wrong. And so this is the context in which Samantha and I jump into today's conversation. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com. If you're interested in becoming a part of the Principal Matters Mastermind, there are some openings right now for application, and you can find that at my website at williamdparker.com slash mastermind. Welcome to Principal Matters. It is such a privilege to have you on the show. And I always ask if you want to fill in the blanks on that or share something that might surprise listeners to know about you. Yeah, uh, thanks for so much for having me on uh, the podcast today, Will. And the only thing I want to share, listeners, is today it's actually Will's birthday. So, Will, happy birthday to you. <laughs> Yay. Thanks, Samantha. Well, before we celebrate my birthday or as we're celebrating my birthday, I also would love for you to just give people a sneak peek into your passion, hobby, project, whatever you want to call it, because it's such an amazing um, way for you to pause, breathe, and flourish. Sure, absolutely. So as I got into educational leadership, um, the importance of maintaining balance um, was something I quickly learned, to be honest, the hard way. Um, it's so easy to become the job. Uh, and so I am actually a novice po- powerlifter. Um, I have the nickname uh, by some as the powerlifting principal. So uh, I'm currently uh, working with my powerlifting coach, Kaylee, and we train three times a week. Uh, and hopefully at the end of COVID here, uh, meets will pick back up uh, maybe in the spring or summertime. So Sam, for those who are not power lifters, or maybe for those who are, you've had some pretty amazing, even during COVID, some pretty amazing personal records. So I don't know, are you willing to share your your latest personal record? Sure, absolutely. So in powerlifting, you focus on three major movements, the squat, 
the bench press and the deadlift. And so um, just last week I was working on something called a box squat, which uh, is kind of like putting some weight on your shoulders and then sitting down in a chair and then standing back up with a lot of weight on you. And so um, I think my weight was somewhere around 270, um, which was huge. When I first started squatting, I was lucky to move 135 pounds. So that was super exciting. Wow, congratulations. And I am so impressed and intimidated every time you send me a video of your latest lift. Um, and for those of you that don't get the pleasure of uh, being a part of this mastermind, Samantha and the other members of our mastermind often talk through Voxer. And so sometimes we get a, a, a video of a, a latest power lift and the rest of us share other things like walking our dogs, you know, nothing quite as exciting as powerlifting Samantha Bartram. Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk about this week is facing your giants. And we've been going through a study together in our mastermind of the book, David and Goliath, Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants by Malcolm Gladwell. And last week, Samantha, we were in a discussion when you shared a story that was so powerful. I, I just wanted to circle back in this conversation and you were so kind to share it with Principal Matters listeners. But, but let me set the stage for that for just a moment. For those of you that are not familiar with Gladwell's book, he covers two main ideas. First, the idea that much of what we consider valuable in the world arises out of our lopsided conflicts. The act of facing overwhelming odds, he says, creates greatness and beauty. And so he unpacks that in this great book that is, I believe, a great read for leaders. And second, he talks about that we consistently get our conflicts wrong. We misread them. And so, in other words, giants are not always what we think they are. And then, of course, he uses the biblical analogy of the story of David and Goliath. It reminded me of another story I had just read recently from another author friend of mine, Tim Elmore, who was talking about bullfighting and how if bulls knew that the little red cape that they're um, that's being waved in front of them was really not their enemy, uh, they would begin to pursue the real enemy, the little matador instead. But just like a bull in a bullfight, sometimes we as leaders also get distracted by the red capes and we miss out on the real giants. Now, let me pause there because Samantha, I asked you this question last week. I said, can you think of a time when you were facing an enormous giant to later find out that what you were facing was something much different or more meaningful. And you shared a powerful story from your own leadership experience that I would love for you to share with listeners. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, I'd love to take you all on a walk down memory lane. So um, this was a couple summers ago, maybe two or three years ago. I had just come back um, from a summer cruise throughout Europe. I uh, had taken some time off. It was in between students being on break, uh, teachers coming back for their in-service learning before the start of a new school year. So it was the Monday I came back from work um, and our chief executive officer, who's like our version of a superintendent, Cameron, he texted me the morning of our first day back and he let me know that he was coming to see me bright and early. And you know, well, the first thing that went through my head is, hmm, I wonder why Cameron wants to come see me at 10 o'clock on my very first Monday back. Um, and to kind of just set the stage, um, Cameron arrived, sat down, and the very first thing he did, he said, so Samantha, what was your favorite memory on your cruise? And I told him about Positano, Italy and how beautiful it was. And he said, well, help me understand that. Walk me through everything you loved about Positano, Italy. 
And as soon as I finished that, he humorously told me he wanted me to channel all of that joy as he shared an unforeseen challenge that he wanted to let me know about. And that challenge was our summer renovations actually had some roadblocks. And the bottom line is two and a half weeks before the start of the school year, I could not start the year in my current building and we would need to start our school year somewhere else. When he was sitting in your office and he conveyed the story that you are going to not be able to start school in your building, what did that mean? Well, at the time, uh, my I responded and said, um, so do we have somewhere else that we might be going? Um, and, you know, other district schools, as a charter school, uh, we operate on our own. Um, and so in other districts, sometimes they'll give you like another elementary school, another high school to borrow. It doesn't quite work, work that way with charter schools. We're responsible for finding and funding our own facilities. Um, and so as such, Cameron looked at me and said, well, let's go on a ride. And I got in his car and off we went uh, to, to find where we would physically be starting the school year. So first of all, what an amazing leader that he and you had that kind of trust where he could relay that, because that would be information that would absolutely overwhelm me, which is what we're talking about, the giant that you've faced. So walk us through, Samantha, you're beginning two and a half weeks before school, your building is not ready, and you guys are going to have to find another location. And how many students were you serving at that time? Mm, at that time, probably about 400 students. So a place for 400 kids, and you only have a couple of weeks to get started. So walk us through what happened next. Yeah. So uh, what happened next, Cameron being the uh, forward-thinking leader that he is, uh, he had already done some scoping in our local community uh, and found a location um, that is called QLN, Quantum Learning Network. And basically, it's a building that has large meeting rooms uh, that's used for conferences. Uh, and so he took me to QLN. I had actually been there for, pro for professional learning in the past. And we walked inside, and he, we walked inside to a big room. And he looked at me and said, can you see your school here? And I remember standing there thinking about the appropriate response uh, to that question, because obviously the setting looked uh, rather abnormal to what I'm used to. And I said, maybe. Um, and what happened after that really was quite beautiful. Um, I, I, I looked at the numbers in terms of, could I physically fit my school in the building? Okay, yes, I can check that box. Okay, what is now required to, to get to the first day of school? And so all the details from walls on wheels to, to rolling whiteboards to what am I gonna tell my teachers to, oh, I need to connect with this person and this leader and I need to make sure we have an emergency plan. And so once I saw the space, um, I definitely, you know, in, in Gladwell's book, he mentions that when we're, we're faced with a challenge and we're forced to respond and he says, we're forced to think about, should I play by the rules and follow my own instincts or, uh, should I persevere? Should I give up? Or should I strike back or forgive? And I found myself really at that crossroads of, okay, the giant here is, is trying to figure out what to do in a very short amount of time. Um, and, and I really felt like I could respond quickly and, and find a plan to work, or I could just kind of throw up uh, you know, a white flag and, and tell my community this school year is going to be rough and, and it is what it is. So walk us through that, Samantha. Once you located the space, no walls. Um, describe what that looked like for us in terms of trying to imagine what school was going to be there. 
Yeah, so what it started as was a big open room. It started as a huge open room with nothing in it. Um, and, uh, and, and Cameron said, you have my support and the support of every director in our organization to help make this a reality. And so I'm blessed in our organization to work alongside several support teams. We have a director of safety and security, a director of facilities, a director of technology. So the very first thing I did as a leader is think, okay, I need to get all of these different directors on a call with me so we can brainstorm because this giant was too big for me to face alone. Uh, so the very first thing I did was get that whole team to the big empty room and say, how do I get technology here? How do I get walls on wheels? Uh, and that's before I even think about, oh, by the way, what am I going to tell my teachers in a couple days when they come back from summer break? So once you once you guys started school, that's, what, that's the, th the hardest thing for me to imagine. And this is just such an amazing story of both collaboration and courage and then innovation. So what did school look like? I mean, once you guys were able to actually bring kids in, I can't imagine what kind of school setting did you actually have? All right, so a, a couple days before the first day, we had something called gear up days. And these were two days that were absolutely essential to setting uh, my school up for success. And so these were the days where students come on campus to meet with their mentor, they pick up their books, etc. So prior to that, I had, of course, sent out some communication to families saying that this year would look different, but no worries, we're all in this together. And so listeners, what I really want you to visualize is walking into a big convention room that looks like a huge maze. There were tons of portable walls that had signs with teacher names and my security team and myself were standing there directing traffic saying who are you looking to see and I would extend my arms out straight in front of me and point people and I did it with a big smile uh, and and I thought to myself if I can get them through gear up day and I can show them that there's a teacher with desks and a whiteboard if I can just make it through this day I can make it through tomorrow. <laughs> And I've known you long enough, Samantha, to know that you often will focus a lot on the launch of a, of a new situation or a new program, even when you un, unveiled COVID precautions and protocols. And we can talk about that a little bit later, but let's stay there for a moment. Because I know that later in your story, you began to talk about the unexpected culture that was created from this new setting. So take us there. Yeah, so again, relating back to what Gladwell says about sometimes how giants can be misread. And very quickly, I learned that what I thought was the, the biggest giant, which was physically moving my school from one building to the next, actually was not that at all. The challenge was, listeners, imagine having your whole school in one room and you can only whisper. Because if I speak at a normal tone of voice, I'm going to interrupt the other classroom that is three feet away from me. So teachers and students had to whisper. There wasn't the let's go out at lunchtime and connect with my peers. It was a parking lot. And so the real giant was trying to find a way to, to foster a, a love of learning and a celebration of learning and a thriving school culture in an environment that is so foreign to everyone. So, so that's what I quickly realized. Tell us the story, Samantha, of how your teachers and students began to adapt to that climate in terms of like class presentations. And I'm trying to remember the story that you told, and I'm sure you'll unpack it, of the way that they would respond when other kids were presenting even outside of their own classrooms. Sure, absolutely. It's one of my very favorite memories. So um, very quickly, all of our teachers, uh, you know, 
rallied the students behind the norm of using a very quiet indoor, indoor voice. And for the most part, by the second or third week of school, it was silent. You could hear whispers during the school day, with, with one exception, and that's when there were presentations. Okay, so uh, very quickly we learned, um, I, I think it was an English class, there was a day where students were giving presentations, and what happens at the end of a presentation, well, students want to celebrate that, and one way we do that is with a round of applause. And so what ended up happening is when the student finished and the class started clapping very loud because we were all in the same room with portable walls on wheels, the ongoing joke became if someone finishes the presentation and you hear clapping, it becomes a school-wide round of applause, kind of like the wave. So if it started in one corner of the room, immediately the rest of the, the school heard and before you knew it, the entire uh, building was clapping and then the norm became and we get back to learning afterwards. <laughs> I love that. I just love that picture in my mind of 400 kids all participating and celebrating one student who's presenting somewhere in that amazingly huge space. And, and you explained too that, that, that your graduating class this year were kids, I believe, that were actually freshmen back in those days and, and, and some of the war stories that they tell those younger uh, classmen. So tell us about that. Yeah, sure. Um, this year's graduating class certainly has been through the ringer in that they had to adapt to that sudden change. And then now, of course, with the COVID-19 pandemic, they've had to adapt to that. And so it's interesting hearing them chat with some of the underclassmen because they'll say things like, oh, we had to start our school year in the middle of a one room building and the principal would ring a handbell to tell us to go from one room to the to another. And so I think they try to draw perspective for new students by sharing um, some of their experiences uh, during that school year. Oh, I love that story, Samantha. Thanks for unpacking that because what I love about that story so much is that's not, COVID is not the first time that you've had to walk through really difficult situations. And as you've walked through this year, it, it reminds me of the second thing that we talked about when we were unpacking the introduction to, to Gladwell's book, which is that some of our giants, um, some of the giants that we're facing right now, which are, whether they're ideological or institutional or cultural, can seem pretty overwhelming. And so I don't want to in any way at all um, underestimate the weight of what principals have been carrying through COVID because you, just like everyone else, have had to make really hard decisions. You've had to weigh a lot of emotions of your own and the people on your team. But can you walk us through what that what, what are some of the giants that you've been facing in your journey this year? Um, as I think about some of the greatest challenges uh, presented by the COVID-19 pandemic, I, I think it lies around the uncertainty and the constant evolution of what our current reality is. Every every day I wake up and I, by this point now almost, you know, we're, we're coming up on a year. My school closed on March 13th and it's hard to believe, you know, it's January 18th at the time of this recording. Uh, we're, we're coming up on a year and um, I wake up every morning not really knowing. I, I know what my what my present reality is yesterday and last week, but depending on the current COVID data, depending on our governor, um, I'm never quite sure how long our current educational program, whether that be fully online, a hybrid, or a return to more uh, regular in-person learning, I never really know exactly what it'll look like. And so as a school leader, that's challenging, just the, the constant changing. We had the privilege, you and I, 
months and months ago to step into some mastermind conversations talking about reopening schools. And then you stayed in mastermind conversations with me throughout the semester. So I've had the privilege of watching you execute leadership. So for listeners, Samantha, I'd love for you to back up a little bit and just talk about what's that look like for your school this year? Because every school is different, but um, I would love to, for listeners to know a little bit more about what your stories look like, because you've had to do a little bit of everything. Yeah, um, absolutely. So to, to kind of walk listeners through our distance learning journey um, really quickly. So on March 13th, as I mentioned, um, we were very quickly transitioned to at-home learning. At the time, uh, the state had told us to prepare for maybe two or three weeks. Well, that quickly turned into the rest of the school year. Um, so I refer to that version of distance learning as distance learning 1.0, which really was crisis management, right? Um, and so my, my team goal during distance learning 1.0 was to provide stability and maintain relationships through an active learning model. Um, and so for the most part, that was, it was very reactive. Um, most learning was asynchronous and that, you know, Zoom, the, the entire nation hadn't transitioned to Zoom yet. So teachers were very quickly writing lesson plans on demand um, to connect with students. So then now, you know, August 20th comes the first day of school and we're launching distance learning 2.0. And distance learning 2.0, we took a look at, at what worked, what didn't work, and uh, we started to introduce synchronous instruction using um, a bell schedule, having students follow each of their periods a couple times a week. Um, teachers would also offer targeted workshops and open office hours to connect with those students who need extra support. Um, and then by mid-October, uh, now we were ready to start welcoming small groups of students back on campus. And so that's where we really started a hybrid, um, where students who wanted to be on campus and maybe needed more targeted support uh, could come on campus, of course, adhering to all of our local uh, guidelines, including six feet of social distancing, screenings, et cetera. Um, and the plan was, now fast forward to January, the plan was to expand our programming. Um, however, we're not quite sure if we're going to be able to do that. So as it stands today, uh, we're continuing with small group learning uh, on campus with our primary mode of instruction being in a virtual format. Well, you've had the privilege of having kids back in your building. You've had the responsibility of delivering both virtual and in-person at the same time. So it's like suddenly you're leading more than just one kind of school. You're leading a school that has all kinds of, of hybrid options. There are listeners whose schools have been closed since the spring of last year who have done nothing but virtual. And at some point they're gonna be stepping kids back in if their conditions warrant. And one of the things I remember, Samantha, about that transition for you guys, when you went from having been closed to bringing kids back in that building, there was a lot of anxiety. And how did you guys overcome the anxiety, the, the important anxiety, because it's important for people to be careful and safe, with at the same time, um, your decision to go ahead and bring students back in. Um, I think one piece that works to my team's advantage is we are incredibly collaborative. Um, throughout our distance learning journey, um, my school site leadership team, um, we maintained incredibly close contact with our teachers. On any given day, I could tell you how a department or teacher was feeling for the most part, and that continued. So by the time we got to the point where it's time to start talking about having students on campus, I'd already been in contact with teachers. 
Um, and we had, I had started priming the pump, if you will, maybe a couple weeks prior saying, how are you guys feeling about having students back? Let's take a look at the data. What types of things would help you feel safe and supported if we were to look at this transition? Um, so ultimately when we had the big team meeting virtually where I shared our next best step is this hybrid model with small groups. Um, everybody, there was no surprise in that this is what we were inching to because I had started having that dialogue with them sooner. Um, and then the question that, that I asked teachers and I continue to ask myself is, what's at stake if we don't make this shift? If we are told that it's okay to start having small groups of students on campus. What is at stake if we keep these students off campus? And, and giving uh, the team a chance to dialogue about that because what is at stake is some of our students who desperately need to connect with a teacher in person. Um, so once I could assure them that we have the systems in place to ensure their safety. Um, then it was really coming from a place of empowerment. It's exciting. I feel safe, I feel protected. I'm a little anxious and that's okay. And as a leader, I would share that I'm anxious. I've never returned to school in the middle of a pandemic. And so I think being truthful and honest, um, but then also feeling empowered to know by taking this next best, best step, we're gonna do what's best for kids. Well, and that's such a great summary, Samantha. And I know because of our conversations months before, that when you guys were ready to take that step back in, um, even though you had protocols and you had processes and you'd had buy-in and you'd had conversations and you had everything ready, there was still a level of fear that your staff was facing that they really weren't sure, you weren't really sure how you were going to step beyond that. And I can still remember the, the analogy you were using to me at the time. I don't know if you want me to share it or not. Of the sure, Sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm polishing the furniture of the Titanic because 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 is this thing going to make it through this through this potential iceberg field that we're getting ready to hit? What did you do at that time that kind of helped your teachers step into that moment um, and accept it? Yeah, so it was like the, the Thursday or Friday before students were returning. We had the plan in place um, and it was the Thursday or Friday before. Um, it must have been the Thursday because we had our mastermind that Thursday afternoon. And everyone was just getting really cold feet, myself included. And um, humor is something I, I can't emphasize enough, finding humor in any situation. And I remember going into my assistant principal, Chedley's office and sharing with him, Chedley, are we doing the right thing here? I started second guessing myself. Uh, and that's where the Titanic comparison came up. And he said, yeah, it kind of feels like we're telling people you polish the silverware and you strike up the band. The Titanic is setting sail either way. And, and just because we didn't know it was uncharted territory as a school leader, um, I was really forced with the question of, do I, do I let the fear and anxiety of the unknown cause me to make a knee-jerk reaction and pull back? Or do we acknowledge the fear and the uncertainty for what it is and move forward? And the way that I kind of walked that through in my mind was I asked myself, is this a calculated risk that you're taking for the right reasons? Yes. So at that point, I knew what my team needed was for me to just stay steady and support them through it. And I think they would all agree in hindsight, we had to rip off the Band-Aid. There was never going to be a right time to come back after the school closure. And a week later, everybody felt so much better, um, but there was really no remedy uh, until you just do it. I, I so appreciate that, Samantha, because I know there's leaders who are listening right now who have either, one, they've 
they've not had that opportunity to step back in or they have and they've seen it go really well or maybe they have and they've realized some of the fears that they were going to face but what i like about your story is that you have consistently connected with the people that you're serving for feedback and collaboration so that you're doing this together it's not just a top-down decision and when you have made decisions and move forward um, you continuously, and, and I know I'm bragging on you, but I'm doing this on purpose, Samantha, because I think it's such a good model for other people to consider. You continuously re-circle back to the people that you're serving on your team to make sure that you're still together. And, and I want you to talk about that as well, because a couple of weeks ago, you were conveying some of the, you were beginning to sense some of the um, the weariness, the tiredness, the fear that was existing as your teachers were pivoting back home and, and you just weren't quite sure where everybody was at this moment. And what were some of the steps that you took then to reach out to your staff and kind of re-engage? Yeah, sure. So it was a couple of weeks ago now. And one of the systems I have that has served me really well is I have weekly check-ins with each of my departments. Um, and so through those check-ins, I've gotten to know each team and their quirks. And that particular week, I noticed this eerie silence on the calls. Um, there wasn't so much honesty in terms of this was a really hard week for me. There was just a lot of silence. And so I remember coming to our mastermind that week and sharing that with the team. Um, and I had the opportunity to be in the hot seat that day. And the hot seat listeners is kind of where um, whoever whoever's selected gets to share a current challenge that you're facing. And then the professionals, um, the other school leaders on the call are able to unpack that with you and problem solve. And uh, there was another principal who shared, she had been in a similar situation and uh, she asked me, if I had thought of uh, connecting with each teacher individually, because perhaps someone might feel more comfortable sharing something with me personally, as opposed to uh, with the department. Um, and so I did just that. Uh, later that night, I, I sent either text messages or emails to the team. And, um, and I also sent personal texts to my department chairs and encouraged everyone. Uh, I, I asked personal checking questions um, so that it really felt like I was uh, taking an interest in how each team member is as an individual. And to be honest, the stories and the responses I got immediately were, um, they were heartbreaking hearing the stories of how much teachers and team members are, are sucking it up, if you will, um, to be frank, to do what's best for the team. And many of them have children of their own, are going through challenges, spouses who have lost jobs. Um, and, and sometimes there's this feeling of, but I have to serve my kids. So if I share that I'm struggling, that makes I don't know, there's some feeling of judgment there. And so um, taking the time to have those individual conversations helped me get uh, a greater pulse on how everyone is feeling. That's so powerful. And I just want to pause there, Samantha, because Principal Matters listeners, you may be thinking about your own teams and, and people are in such different places depending on where you are across the nation or even outside of the U.S., but regardless, understanding where your team members are is, is so important because I've been hearing a lot of feedback recently, Samantha, that teachers are weary um, and principals are decision fatigued and communities are suffering. I mean, we've, we, I mean, we can take the, the bird's eye view. I mean, we're at the time of this recording, we're getting ready to hit 400,000 deaths across our nation for a pandemic that none of us believe would ever see these kinds of numbers. And so there's been a lot of, of, of grief and a lot of difficulty that families have experienced, but so are teachers. And so I think it's so important that we continue to, as leaders, show the, the patience um, and the sensitivity that we tried to show way back when, that just because 
Uh, we have a lot of school left just because this is going to be hard. And just because we've asked people to sacrifice doesn't mean that we don't need to take time to reach back and make sure that they're doing okay. And if they're struggling, that we acknowledge that because when you, when you take, when you take time to rebuild that bridge, then you rebuild that trust. Um, and so take us where you guys are now, Samantha, because I know that it's going to look different this week for you than it probably looked a month ago. Um, so this week, uh, we will be having small groups of students on campus for workshops. On Wednesday, um, all of my teachers are on campus and hosting targeted workshops and then also open office hours. So if a student wanted to spend all day on campus on Wednesday, they could be on campus for a full day. Um, now, this is an asynchronous learning day, meaning that Wednesdays typically students work independently on their own. Tuesday and Thursday of this week, we have what we call a virtual school day. So students log on to Zoom and they go to each of their classes. So Wednesday is a bonus and students who want to come on campus for a school-like experience can. Now, the, the, the curveball I want to throw out that's come up even since our last mastermind meeting well is uh, the state re uh, recently issued new guidance that's effective February 1st on school reopening. Opening. And it's another 60 page document or so that will throw uh, some roadblocks for me. And so tomorrow morning, I'll be meeting with the other uh, school principals and site leaders to unpack that. And that very well could change the plan for February that I'm describing uh, that's happening later this week. Wow. Well, Samantha Bartram, I'm so proud of the work that you do. And I know that Coastal Academy is very blessed to have you at the helm. Before we wrap up today, I want to cover two other areas. One, tell us a little bit more about your school. What makes it such a unique place to be and to serve? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So Coastal Academy High School is part of the Classical Academies. The Classical Academies is an organization in North County, San Diego. We have seven uh, sites within the Classical Academy service, about 5,000 students. Uh, and what makes us unique is our parent partnership. So we exist to partner with parents. Um, as a school of choice, uh, students and parents find us and, and typically are invested because of our partnership. Um, and what that looks like at the high school setting, just to make that a little bit more tangible for listeners, um, is we have regular uh, conferences with teachers, parents, and students alike at the high school uh, setting. They're uh, student-led. So actually just last week, we had something called a presentation of learning. They were all virtual this year. Um, and so instead of having school, every single student over the course of two days presented with their mentor teacher, which is kind of like their homeroom teacher, uh, and their parent, and they presented on uh, some of their achievements throughout the semester. But they also, of course, uh, shared how COVID-19 impacted their family. They spoke to, we have something called habits of success, which are soft skills that students um, practice and develop at our school. So they spoke to a habit of success, which came up, which as you might imagine, independence, uh, whether it's forced or by choice, independence has come up a lot as a result of uh, distance learning. Um, but that's just an example of um, the dialogue and communication that our teachers have with parents isn't um, a once a, a one time a semester thing. It, it's a it's a daily a weekly um, partnership between students, parents, and teachers alike. Well, I'm so proud of the work that you're doing, and I know your students love being a part of your school. And let's wrap up with some ideas for those who may be interested in the mastermind, because I know we've talked about that on this on this podcast several times, Samantha. And I've unpacked in other episodes why masterminds can be uh, powerful for principals, but you are a participant in a mastermind. And could you talk to listeners for just a little bit about why they may want to consider that for their own professional growth? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
participating in the mastermind has truly changed my life. And I don't say that lightly. Um, being in school leadership can feel isolating at times. It really can. And even though I have the partnership of my fellow principals and colleagues, um, as a lifelong learner, I'm always looking um, to learn from others. And especially during the time of this pandemic, how lucky have I been to hear what principals on the East Coast or other states are doing um, before I've done it in California. And actually uh, that week when I mentioned captaining the Titanic and my anxiety, there was a principal on, on the call who, were, who was in those shoes. And what helped me persevere through that anxiety was hearing from him. And, and sharing, Samantha, I was there. I felt the exact same way. That'll all change once you see kids come through your door. Um, so the perspective is just incredible. But the, the feeling of camaraderie um, and knowing that I'm not alone and there are others who feel the same way I do. And, you know, you mentioned the Voxer, the app we use to stay connected. I, I knew I would get some sense of professional learning as a result of the mastermind. What I, I didn't know uh, was the friendships and the relationships that I would develop along the way. And, and I'm just super thankful for the experience. Well, and it's been a pleasure, Samantha, to have you as a part of that mastermind. I'm just thinking of that same story of our friend in New York and, you know, starting school on Long Island after all that they had been through, but he was able to look at you and say, I have just been through what you're getting ready to go through and this is what you can do. And it was such a powerful moment. And, and those things go in cycles because sometimes COVID ends up closing schools that have been open. And, and this is going to be one of those years where, where change continues. Well, Principal Matters listeners, I, I want to encourage you, uh, if you are interested in connecting with Samantha, you can find her information at her school's website. Samantha, you want to share how folks can find out more about you or your school? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So if you just go on the internet and, and Google the classical academies or coastal academy high school uh, will come right up and uh, there's a contact us form you can you can uh, look right there uh, and I'm happy to dialogue with anyone who may have questions about something I shared on the podcast you can get in touch with me um, by clicking on Coastal Academy High School and then contact the principal and I'm, I'm happy to continue the dialogue. Samantha thank you for the giants that you have been conquering this year in your leadership and in the, all the years that you've been serving your schools and Principal Matters listeners this week as you face your giants Don't forget that what you do matters. And we'll talk to you again soon.